episode 16 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. What is going on, Avi Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm your host. Today, I am talking with Noah Lieberman. Noah is the CEO of one of my favorite applications, Log10 Pro X. And in this story today, when we're talking with Noah, we talk about how his first flight was in a DC-3 at age 7, how flying IFR helps you stay ahead of the airplane, how technology can actually get in the way of flying safely, what it's like to fly out west, what it's like to cross the Rockies in an unpressurized airplane, and why he created Log10 Pro. Aviation, I cannot wait to share this story with you guys. And before we get started, I want to remind you that you have the chance to save 12 to 23% off a Log10 Pro subscription. Go to redeem.log10.com slash pilot to pilot and you can save 12 to 23% off your subscription depending on which one you get. I really recommend that you get this app and I recommend that you get it as early in your aviation career as possible. Your first 250 hours are free, but after that it will save you so much of a headache from having to go log everything later. It, it took me two days to log 2,000 hours, so save yourself the headache and go ahead and get it now and start now. I also want to remind you that I'm starting a new segment called AV Nation Stories. It's going to be a chance for you guys to share your stories with all of Aviation. It's going to be a recording of 5 to 10 minutes of you guys telling the best aviation story you have. To do this, to record it, all you have to do is put headphones in with a microphone and talk into your computer. Save that. Email it to me at pilottopilothq at gmail.com and then I will share that on Thursdays. I'll pick the best ones to share. Go ahead and send me your stories. Send me the best stories that you have as this is going to be another way for you guys to connect with all of Aviation. Thank you guys so much for reaching out to me. Whether you left a review, whether you reach out to me on DMs, or whether you email me, I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm so thankful for the time that you spend, and I truly, truly enjoy creating these podcasts. If you haven't already, leave a review. These reviews help us create the best content possible. I am so excited to share Noah's episode today. I really hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, here's Noah Lieberman. Hey, Noah. Thanks for joining the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Hi, Justin. Thanks for having me. No problem. I'm really glad that you could come on. It's really cool to have someone that has created such a great product for the aviation world to kind of share their story and why they started flying and why they created Log10 Pro. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm just uh, living the dream, I guess. <laughs> Everyone's trying to live the dream, right? Right. Yeah, well, cool. So why don't we go ahead and get started? Why don't we just talk about why'd you get into aviation? As long as I can remember, I've always wanted to fly. Uh, my first flight was on a DC-3 when I was about seven years old and I, there's just nothing like it uh, you know you climb into that back door and it's on about a 20 or 30 degree slope and you got to kind of climb up the aisle holding onto the seats and this big square windows and it was just it was unbelievable you know I did I never uh could never let go of planes after that yeah <laughs> always wanted to fly that's so cool. Um, my company that I fly for, they have been buying every DC-3 that they could find their hands, that they could get their hands on. They uh, are restoring them and they're putting turbines on them. And you're talking about that slope. That slope is no joke. It's like a legit, like you're climbing stairs yeah. to get up there. It's <laughs> shocking. I don't even know how people would sit there. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it was. You really get that intense feeling. And it's so cool even just uh, on the roll, you know, how the you just really get that as the tail comes up and you're really, you're really laying back and then you come up and then lift off the ground. It's, it's really 
a pretty amazing airplane for, for sure. sure no it's definitely a cool airplane and our strip that we fly out of it's only 3500 feet so there's <laughs> things happen really fast in the dc3 3500 feet so it's pretty a funny watch or it's pretty cool watching them take off and land out of our strip especially with the obstacles that we have yeah so how old were you when you took your first flight uh, i think around seven okay and then when did you when would you say that you actually started training and become a pilot I was actually when I was still in high school, so it was 1991, uh, and I was had a, a little bit of money from mowing lawns and uh, <laughs> took a few took a few flight lessons in Ashland, Oregon, and really loved it. But unfortunately, it's pretty hard to play pay for flight lessons with uh, lawnmower money. <laughs> for sure, it's definitely it's hard to pay for flight lessons in general, let alone just mowing lawns. I know uh, the prices have just gone up, but even I'm pretty sure it's been about the same for kind of inflation and everything from back in the 1990s to now. So it's it's still expensive no matter when you started training. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, that was uh, I think I got maybe three or four lessons in. Uh, you know, get the the four fundamentals and some basics and stuff, and I you know, really enjoyed it, but had to couldn't continue for a while. So there was my, my, my flight training career was, a uh, my first flight to pilot license was a long journey, but a rewarding one. I think a lot of people can say that their story to getting their pilot license isn't the norm. It doesn't take 40 hours. Like they say that it can take it. Sometimes it takes a hundred hours, 70 hours, or sometimes you start in 2017, but you don't finish till 2020. So it's just kind of cool to see how everyone goes through different, not, not necessarily struggles, but how everyone kind of has a different way of getting their private pilot license. Yeah, just depends on what life throws at you. In my case, it started in 91. I didn't end up getting my private till I think it was 2008. <laughs> That's uh, pretty funny. It, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it took hundreds of hours. It just, just a lot of things in between. Yeah, for sure. Was it hard? Did you remember anything of your first couple of training lessons or was it pretty much starting all the way over in 2008? Well, there were some other flights along the way. Uh, so when I was in university at the University of Oregon, I wanted to get back and I did one flight there. Again, I didn't have enough money. So it was just kind of, I think one or two flights in Eugene. And then that would have been probably in 92 or 93. And then I went out to Colorado and uh, had been in the technology industry for quite a while. And I was looking at possibly getting into commercial aviation, but I actually had a family at that time. And that was in 2003, and that's what actually the the dawn of Log 10. Uh, so 2003, I was wanting to get back into aviation and thinking about be, making it a career, and so I was doing flight training out of Rocky Mountain Regional uh, in Broomfield, Colorado, and basically everyone at that time was saying, oh, you really got to have an electronic logbook. So I seemed logical to me as a computer guy and uh, was pretty shocked to find that there wasn't one for the Mac. So I built one and started using it and, and refining it and then figured I'd put it online and share it with other people because there was probably a few other Mac using pilots out there. And lo and behold, I quickly started getting requests for new features and changes and, and whatnot. So that became a, a night hobby for a few years before it turned into a, a full-time career. That's but, really cool. When would you say that you realized you had something that you could make an actual career out of rather than just a hobby? Well, I mean, the actual transition happened in 2007. So between 2003 and 2007, it was sort of a slowly growing hobby uh, or uh, an extra side job, essentially. 
Um, I've also done graphic design professionally. So I was living in Canada at the time and I was sort of splitting my time between a graphic design company that I owned and uh, the Corridine Log 10 stuff. And then in 2007, we moved to Portland, Oregon, and I really wanted to focus on Log 10. Uh, at that time, it was probably making about enough to pay about half my living expenses or something like that. So it wasn't uh, wasn't easy, but we decided to take the gamble, and I stopped doing graphic design uh, for other clients and really focused all my energy on Log 10, and it really took off. Uh, I was within, I think it was within a year or so, I just, I couldn't keep up with it by myself anymore. And that's when we hired our first employee. That's really cool. It's uh you, like I know in 2003, 2007, that's kind of like when the Mac was starting to go on the rise too. And when people were really buying those, so you kind of hit that, that perfectly for the Mac. And it was crazy that there wasn't one for the Mac at the time. So it's really cool that you had kind of like a plan and you had the ability to create this and you had, when you went out and did it. Yeah, yeah, it worked out really well. Uh, timing couldn't have been better at the launch of the iPhone. Uh, we were the first company to offer a logbook for the iPhone when the App Store opened in 2008. And then uh, same thing when the iPad launched, we were the first logbook designed for the iPad in 2010. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, the iPad has just revolutionized aviation. So having that logbook on there is just such a great tool for every pilot. Yep. That's really cool. So going back to your training a little bit, I know that you said it kind of, you started in 1991 and finished in 2008. What kind of, um, in 2008 when you were doing most of your training, what did you just buckle down and do it really fast or was it still like bits and pieces here and there? Um, so I'd gone through, I, I, I got to do the ground, uh, training multiple times, uh, cause back in Colorado, I went through a whole ground school program, passed the written exam, um, got well on my way to I'd soloed and all that. So it was getting close, but then, um, just ran out of my funds. So when I uh, started up again in Oregon, um, had the money to do it and really, um, just went for it with a small company here, Hillsboro aviation out of Troutdale. And, uh, let's see, I used a, a video course and did the ground school again to get ready. And I had to take the written again because it had expired. Uh, and then went through their training program and I think probably only, I have to look at my records, but maybe like 15 or 20 hours of flight training or so. And then was able to take the, the private. Cool. So how many hours total do you think you had when you took your check ride? If you could just ballpark, you don't have to have the exact amount. Yeah, I should probably open it up. But um, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to guess it was around 80. But, okay, uh, nice. So you have your private pilot license and then you have your instrument as well, right? Yes. Do you have your commercial rating too? No, just the instrument. Okay. Do you plan on getting your commercial at all or are you just going to hang out with the instrument in private? Man, I don't know. I, I don't have any particular reason to get the commercial at this point. Uh, you never know. Right. Uh, at this point, I think I'm more inspired to get more ratings. I'm interested in getting a glider rating and rotorcraft and for sure. just learning to fly other things. I'm interested in paragliding and uh, other kinds of. For sure. Flying. I mean, once you, if you're not going to do commercial aviation for like, your career, there's, I mean, some people might use it for, but you don't really need your commercial rating unless you're going to want to try to make money off of it. So, I mean, I would right. go for the cooler the the gliders the paramotors like you said and just fly some cool stuff tailwheel seaplane and all that yep 
Yeah, because like we said earlier, aviation can be very expensive. So you gotta you gotta spend your money wisely and what you want. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. So when you were flying, did you have any mentors at all when you're flying? I know that a lot of private pilots or people that get into aviation have someone kind of guiding them on their way. Did you have a mentor at all? Yeah, I had some great instructors. Uh, actually, one of the most that comes to mind is the, the one who helped me sort of through the final pieces of my, uh, well, planning for my instrument and actually uh, picking up a plane with me. So I had uh, a good friend and someone who worked at Cordine for many years, Torea Rodriguez, who's a incredible pilot and instructor. Uh, she mentored me and sort of helped um, really bring my flying to the next level. She was very, she was a commercial pilot and was very, um, did everything, you know, super professional and wanted everything to be really exact and helped me select a good instructor for my instrument rating. She also went out with me to um, Duluth when we picked up, uh, I used to have a Cirrus SR20 and she went with me to pick that up and fly it back with me and helped me out with a lot of my training that's really cool yeah it's important to have a, a mentor and have someone that can guide you. you can either be a flight instructor or be someone that's been in the, the business for a while but just to to tell you what to do and give you some advice because starting from zero and going to your private pilot license there's so many different routes you can go and there's so many different things that you can get caught up with and it's important to have someone that can just let you focus on the task at hand yep definitely and it also helps when they are a good pilot and they're passing good knowledge on to you <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah that's really cool. So in your training, what kind of planes did you fly when you were training? Uh, mostly a Cessna 172, a few in the 152, um, I think a couple in a Diamond, uh, but mostly Cessnas. Yeah. Did and you – no, keep going. Oh, just then I was going to say the majority of my time and my instrument rating all were done in my Cirrus. Okay, cool. So you bought your Cirrus after you got your private pilot license? Yeah. Cool. What was flying the Cirrus like going from a 172 to a Cirrus a little bit faster? Yeah, it's a little faster. It's got a really slow stall speed, so landing and, and general flying doesn't feel super different. It just the the general um, technology is just so much nicer. It just love having the G1000 and the advanced autopilot and the perspective system is just so nice. And the safety factors, I just couldn't – I almost can't imagine getting a plane without a parachute now. Yeah, <laughs> right. It was just so nice, particularly if you have a family or flying with, I mean, I don't know, just I can't imagine if that's available, why you wouldn't want it. I mean, I, you'd certainly give up a little bit of uh, you know, cargo capacity, but it's just such a such a really nice thing to have. Yeah, it is. A, it's a cool airplane. And then I've never gotten a flown a Cirrus before. Right when I left my flight school in Charlotte, North Carolina, they switched to a Cirrus school. So they did all Cirrus and they have a couple yeah. of other aircraft, but they switched right to a Cirrus school. So I missed out just on that. And I've also never flown in anything other than a six pack. So I'm behind <laughs> the game on that. I need to get in a G1000 wow. soon. Yeah, I have 20, yeah. about 2300 hours and I've never flown with a, with anything other than a six pack. Wow. Yeah, yeah no. That's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it really, just the level of situational awareness and safety feels enormous to me. There's certainly a learning curve. I mean, it's a lot of information, but once you get comfortable with it, it's just, I, I wouldn't want to go back at all. Yeah. It's just so, it just feels so much safer. Yeah. And then um, the Pilatuses, I fly Pilatuses and caravans right now, single pilot IFR. 
And mm-hmm. we have the third, sixth, and like tenth oldest Pilatus ever made. So we find the old boys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I was just in uh, I was just in Switzerland and was meeting with uh, one of the big, the biggest uh, PC12 flight school in Europe, based in Lausanne, Switzerland, and I met with their. We're going to be doing some work with them. So. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Pilatus is – I've flown a, quite a few different airplanes, and the PC-12 is by far my favorite airplane. It's unbelievable what they're able to create. Yeah. Yeah, it's talk about slow stall speeds and slow landing speeds and being able to take off pretty much at anywhere in any conditions. It's pretty crazy. Well, you got to have that if you want to fly in Switzerland. Yeah, that's for sure. They, <laughs> there is a reason why they made that kind of plane. Yeah, yeah, and the PC twenty four that they're coming out with is even cooler. I would love to fly that one day as well. Awesome, wow. yeah, that's awesome. So cool. Talk about a little bit about your uh, the training differences in instrument and private. Would you say that it's necessary for every private pilot license to get an instrument rating? I would highly recommend instrument rating for any pilot. Uh, I love doing it. I loved having it. I love having it. Uh, it's just. It, it opens up so much more opportunities to fly and it makes you a safer pilot and it makes you, it just gives you so much more skills. Uh, I would, I really would, I think everybody should have an instrument rating. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you say that your instrument training was hard or would you say that it wasn't? Cause I know a lot of people think it's going to be really hard. I know the book work and kind of the general understanding, but once you get into the plane and get a couple hours, it's not as hard as someone might think. Would you agree with that? Or do you think it was hard the whole time? Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's, it's certainly not any harder than doing your private. Um, right. it's different and adds on new capabilities, but it just really helps take you to that next level. You know, you've, you're building on that base of, okay, now you can fly the airplane. Let's, you know, learn a bunch of other things and how to, and it really improves your awareness of what's around you and how to navigate and how to get from place to place and without, uh, you know, just a whole, a whole other set of tools really. For sure. And just, uh, in my mind really cements, uh, much better planning so that I guess even if you're not on an IFR flight plan, you're really thinking farther ahead. So you really can be farther ahead of the airplane, which just makes everything safer. I uh, really plan ahead more uh, and just get more comfortable with that kind of being well in advance of, of where you need to do and what's coming and, and really just get everything ready so that you're always three steps ahead of the airplane. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's very important to stay ahead of the airplane and plan ahead for my IFR planning. If there's storms 100, 200 miles out, I already am trying to make a game plan for those storms before I even get there. So it's important to stay ahead of the plane, stay ahead of the weather, kind of anticipate what's going to happen. Definitely. Yeah. What, um, what's the coolest place you've flown to? Would you say, did you fly any in Europe at all or do most of your flying going to be in the USA? Uh, I'll fly in the US. Uh, definitely was really hoping to fly in Switzerland this summer, but didn't work out. Um, probably the coolest place. I'd say it would have to be Nelson, British Columbia. Uh, it's in the southwestern corner of BC, and it's a, a very spectacular area, and the airport is a very, it's fairly challenging and a pretty unique flight pattern and just a really cool place uh, visually and uh, technically. Um, I definitely would recommend checking it out or you can look it up online or something. It's a really neat airport. It's uh, CZNL. Nelson, BC, and <clears throat> there's this really cool, it's basically on a 
it's on a really long lake that's right at the end of the lake where it's turning into a river. The runway is right on the water uh, with there's water on sort of on two sides down the long side of the runway and around one end and then right across the water and the water's uh, it's probably well, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand feet at the most. Um, yeah, probably not even that. No, it's like, well, yeah, maybe a thousand feet. Anyway, across this, so right across the water from the runway, uh, parallel to the runway is a, I think it's like a 3,500 foot cliff or something or 3,000 foot. There's like a, a big mountain there and there's a cliff and stuff. So the flight pattern, it, it's basically in the flight pattern. So you can't fly a normal thousand foot pattern obviously so uh, it must not know <laughs> it's anyway you end up having to like take off and you kind of have to do this weird shape and get up over trees and then climb up and then you drop back down and then there's a bridge and there's all this just this funky stuff you got to kind of work around to to deal with it's not a place you fly on, on instruments yeah for uh, sure sounds like but it it's a, it's a very spectacular place yeah it's up. probably um, one where you perk up a little bit and you make sure you're on top of your game Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's where staying ahead of the airplane comes in handy because <laughs> you don't want your plane to to do anything bad in that situation. Yeah, yeah. It was super funny because the the Cirrus has all this terrain avoidance systems and, you know, the synthetic vision and it's it just goes bananas. You have to like mute it because it's like terrain, 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 <laughs> all that you're like, I know, I can see it. There's yeah. trees right there. I gotta fly that way. I you know, you're just right down in the valleys and stuff. Yeah, you're like, I'm well aware of where I'm flying. Gosh. <laughs> That's one of the things yeah. where the kind of the technology can be not as safe when it's just bothering you so much and you're trying to figure out how to turn it off, but it's definitely good to have it. But in that situation I'm sure it gets kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's super good if you happen to be in the clouds or anything, right? Yeah. But but if you have visual contact, it can be annoying for sure. When I was training in the PC-12, we were flying into somewhere in Ohio, and it was completely flat. We flew in there all the time. There is no, there's no mountains. There's no tall trees. There's no power lines or anything. But the terrain awareness failed and just kept shouting, terrain, 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 pull up, pull up. <laughs> and we couldn't get it to turn off. We, we were on oh, short final when it started going off. And we're like, uh, we both know that there's no trees here. And the, it was it was kind of interesting, though, because even when you hear it, your heart still kind of sinks a little bit because you don't want to hear that, you know? Yeah, totally. So when you it's hear a, that, it's it gets kind of interesting. Yep. Yep. It's designed to be a, a caution and definitely gets your pulse going. For sure. Definitely, definitely get your mind going a little bit like, oh, am I wrong or what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So do you have any other cool stories about um, kind of flying in the Northwest at all? I've never actually gotten to fly in the Northwest. Most of my flying is either east of the Rockies or in Ohio or the Southeast area. Okay. Yeah, it's spectacular. Um, I've flown a lot out of Boulder, Colorado area, which is gorgeous. Uh, spread on the front range of the Rockies and then flew when I got my Cirrus I flew it from Duluth back to Portland and that was beautiful flying the whole way all different interesting things but of course crossing the Rockies in an unpressurized uh airplane you have to yeah, sort of do some weaving around a bit uh, <laughs> get, you know, get get across and so that was really fun and just we flew uh into uh Ogden Utah just north of Salt Lake and there's some really big steep mountains kind of right uh, those, the city is really just sort of tucked up against the mountain. So you're coming out over the Rockies and then it's a really steep drop down to land there. So that was exciting. Um, 
flying into Reno one time on the way to Palm Springs was uh, interesting. We were going to a trade show and uh, had two other people in the airplane. We had bags and we were trying to get from Reno to Palm Springs. So pretty sure I put full fuel in as well. And it, of course, happened to be like 95 degrees or something. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> it. Yeah. So then I get out there and we get all checked and we get the, you know, get the uh, instrument flight plan, had everything ready to go. And the control gives me the clearance and I'm looking at the departure chart and I'm like, I can't accept that departure. He's like, all right, how about this departure? I'm like, I can't accept that departure either. <laughs> I get my climb rate was like a hundred feet a minute. Or oh something. my gosh. Yeah. Like I it couldn't barely, we'd end up having to leave VFR. If it had been cloudy, we never would have made it out of there because we just couldn't climb. I mean, luckily there was plenty of room if you could see where you're going, but right. it just, just took us forever to climb up over the mountains out there. Oh yeah. It's crazy how the plane can act when it's fully loaded. When you have it right at gross, it, <laughs> it takes longer for it to take off. It doesn't want to climb. It handles a little bit differently. It's just a little interesting sometimes. Oh yeah, well, and we're you know hot weather, high altitude. It was just uh, all the all the things that add up. That you gotta remember, you know, you can get away with a couple, but once they start stacking up, yep, for sure. Once once things start stacking up, the accident report will be coming out soon. Right, right. Yeah, but the, that that ultimately resulted in one of the definite highlights so far of my flying was that because we were on a VFR flight plan and we were climbing so slow. We happened to fly right over Yosemite, uh, just maybe a thousand feet above the park, just banked right over El Capitan and Half Dome and right down the valley. It was absolutely stunning. That's really cool. Yeah, there's something about like VFR, low flying, and I know I've been I've been told in the past to not take for granted where I am now and just kind of enjoy it because once you're in the airlines or flying the big jets, you're not going to have the chance to fly over Yosemite or fly near the Grand Canyon or do these cool things and just kind of fly around mountains and do your own thing. So it's really cool to hear those stories. And I think that's one of the reasons why people get into flying is for that scenic, the scenic views. And so they can experience the world in a different aspect. Yeah. Uh, it's the same reason I love mountains and just being up high. I just love the, everything looks better from above. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I love flying. Yeah. yeah flying is a lot of fun and it is something I could recommend to everyone because I know a lot of people think that they can't be a pilot or it's impossible, but I mean, it, you can very easily just make one phone call and start flying today. So if you have any urge to do it, I would recommend anyone to do it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, kind of, uh, segueing into um the rapid fire section a little bit it's a uh, really easy it's just a couple questions that i'm going to ask you and it's nothing too where it's like favorite airplane favorite airport stuff like that and i'm gonna ask a couple rapid fire questions just say the first thing that comes to your mind all right cool all right so what's your favorite airplane 757 what's your favorite airport you've ever flown to <sighs> ah different things for different places that nelson bc portland pdx are both really cool what is your, or would you prefer long trips or short trips? So would you prefer like four hour trips or would you prefer 30 minute trips here and there and touch and goes? I love going somewhere. So definitely don't like sitting in the seat for more than about three hours at a time, <laughs> but um, it, I love having a destination and being on an instrument flight plan and going somewhere. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I like longer trips. I like knowing where I'm going and I like kind of sitting back. And like you said, once you get past the three hour mark, it gets kind of uncomfortable because there's not that much room, but it's still pretty cool. 
Yeah, absolutely. Would you rather fly over cities, mountains, the country, or beaches? Mountains. Mountains. Do you like Piper or Cessna better? Cessna. Cessna. What's a plane that you've always wanted to fly that you've never had the chance to? 757. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really cool. What is one thing that you have to have at all times while you fly? Well, I pretty much always fly with my iPad. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. iPad is a good one. And I'm sure Log10 Pro makes that list too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about what it was like creating Log10 Pro. Do you have any struggles with the release? Was it instant success? Kind of what was the process like in building your company? Well, it started out just because I was getting into flight training more and multiple pilots that I spoke with, including instructors and stuff, said, you really need to have an electronic logbook because if you're planning to do anything commercial at all, they're going to ask you all these different questions about your flight time, which are a real pain in the ass to figure out from your paper logbook. And again, as a computer guy, that made complete sense to me. So I went out to get to find one, and there just weren't any for the Mac. So I decided to build one. The first version was just a FileMaker database that I customized for myself based on my student pilot logbook and quickly outgrew that because it's really hard to make updates and new feature enhancements to a Facebook or to a, a, a FileMaker database if you've given it to other people, which yeah. I had started doing what people, other people wanted to use it as well. And I was like, oh, well, I need this other field or I need this other capability and this, this report's got a problem. And then it was, it was really hard to release fixes. So um decided to go ahead and make a native Mac app. Uh, I've been doing development on the Mac since the 80s and uh, been involved with Apple and stuff for a really long time. And um, I had been working for Sun Microsystems. I was working for Sun Microsystems at the time as a Java engineer. Um, so it was a it was a good opportunity for me to get back into doing some Mac native development. And uh, so I built the version 2, which was the first sort of native Mac application. And that uh, made things much easier to update and just slowly kept growing. Uh, it was really, it's been beneficial for the company. Uh, it was just sort of the way it played out because of the sort of niche, niche market of being a pilot application and specifically for the Mac. Uh, it really was something that need, opened up to a global market. Um, so I ended up getting people from all over the world using it. And so I got a lot of different requirements and requests for this capability or that capability. And that really pushed me to make it as flexible as possible because um, you needed to make it customizable and, and, and be able to handle all the different types of requirements that people have all over the world. And I wanted to build a, I ended up building the report system that allows people to develop their own custom reports or design different reports for different places, things like that. Um, but really it was, it was something that, like I said, sort of has grown organically. But Coridine has always been a sort of bootstrapped company. We don't have any outside investors. Uh, it's just been as the revenue increases enough to hire more people, we hire more people. And it's slowly grown um, from 2003 to 2008. It was just me. And then at that point, it got to the point where I just couldn't do all of the customer service, all of the design, all of the website, all the development. You know, I just couldn't do it all anymore. For um, sure. And so we really, uh, with the launch of the, pretty, not long after we launched the iPhone app and the App Store, we had to hire some help with, to do customer service tech support for me. And that just kept growing. And uh, now we have 12 staff and 
full time, you know, five full time engineers constantly working to make Log 10 better. And we're just always working on new features, new capabilities, and got lots of exciting new stuff in the pipeline. That's awesome. So when you guys are creating, would you say that it's mostly from your users that are requesting new features, or do you think it's mainly kind of innovation from within? It's totally a mix. Uh, we take uh, certainly customer feedback and direct use of the app ourselves. Many of the staff at Cordine are also pilots. Um, we continue to make adjustments and things that we think will save time. And then we also get feedback from customers all over the world with different suggestions or things that will help them. We work with other, we're working with more and more large companies and airlines. Uh, we're just launching a new integration with pilot credentials, which is the basically required profile system that you have to update if you want to work at American, FedEx, uh, Southwest, you know, a bunch of airlines use their system for keeping track of your uh, your pilot profile, essentially. So you have to update your time with them. So Log10 Pro is about to offer direct integration where you can just press one button and it just sends all your data and updates all your totals with pilot credentials, which is super helpful for, your, uh, for hiring because uh, airlines are looking at your profile based on how recently it was updated. So that really affects your sort of priority in the, the list there. So having it updated regularly is really good. That's really cool because I know I have about five months left on my contract at the company right now and about at 2,300 hours. And once I get to 25, I'm going to start putting some resumes out there. And I know using your product to just upload all that into pilot credentials will really help and hopefully help me get a job, which is awesome. Absolutely. Uh, there's, and as I'm sure you know, the demand for pilots right now is enormous. The airlines are falling over themselves to hire pilots. They're, there's a huge shortage coming and it's a really good time to be a pilot. Absolutely. There's just a huge opportunity. I can't believe how much it's changed in the last 10 or 15 years. The, you know, watching the terrible, just feeling so bad for pilots starting out that are making like $17,000 a year and crashing in an apartment with 10 other guys and barely they're on like food stamps and stuff. And now they're, it's unbelievable. They're giving like, $20,000, $30,000 $20,000, signing bonuses and like 40, 50 grand salaries start right out the gate. Like it's huge, huge improvement. Yeah. And I, I mean, I am obviously biased, but I'd say I, I was just a passenger. I want to know that my pilot is being paid well, eating good food, being taken care of. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> no, sure okay. the general population would agree that pilots should get paid pretty well. So I'm glad that it's starting to turn around. Yeah. And you want to be sure they haven't been up for the last 36 hours. <laughs> for sure. Yes. And you want them in good shape and eating good, which is definitely key. McDonald's is not the best thing to eat every single day if you're a pilot. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, I know one of my favorite features of Log10 Pro X is uh, the fly now feature. It just makes things so much easier when I can just like, right when I sit in my plane, I just hit fly now. And then once I'm done, I hit in flight and pretty much everything is ready to be logged. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Was that, would you say that was one of your guys' innovations or do you think that was a mix of people kind of recommending services? Uh, it was a combination, uh, again, something that we've wanted wanted to do for a long time was figure out the most effective way to use GPS um, rather than trying to, it wasn't efficient to try to do the sort of capture of, oh, you're traveling faster than the speed, so we think the flight started and doing that completely automatically, but we wanted to make it super quick to start a flight so that you could just basically tap one button and capture where you were and the time and everything and default the aircraft try to just make it as simple as possible 
for the automation. Yeah, it's been really helpful. And it's just been, and I like the whole capture now thing. So I don't have to worry about what airport I was at or go back and see my paperwork to try to find where I was. It kind of can figure it out on its own, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's really our goal with log 10 is to try to make it as simple and quick as possible to log your flights. And then as simple and quick as possible to answer any question you have about your flying. For sure. And I think that you guys have done a good job. So that's really cool. And then um, when the iPad kind of took off, was it hard for you to transition from purely Mac to iOS? Or was it, did you already build pretty much a framework for iOS when you had the Mac software? Well, when we built the Mac software, no one even knew iOS was coming, right? So that was definitely a a surprise when the iPhone was launched. Uh, It was, uh, as we know now, it changed the world, really. Um, So there's definitely a lot of similarities between the frameworks, but they're definitely different. We were able to leverage certainly some of the code, and there is a lot of shared code on the back end between the two. Uh, It definitely took a lot of work to build a... Uh, native iPhone and a native iPad application. Even between the iPhone and the iPad, you have a pretty pretty different uh, interface, and there's a, a lot of different things you have to take into consideration, and all that different uh, real estate and space. So you really have to do pretty much a different design, which we do have a different design for iPad and iPhone. Um, the interesting thing about working with iOS and Mac, and really trying to we wanted to make it as seamless as possible right so we really wanted to sync we started out with just wi-fi sync because this was before the icloud existed or anything like that and that was really nice i mean the it was totally a no-brainer when the iphone came out even before they had the app store like this is perfect like you can log a flight right on your phone at the cockpit before you even leave the plane and then sync it with your computer when you get home this is going to be so much better because even with a Computer. If you only have a computer-based logbook, you're still most likely writing something down on a piece of paper and then going back and typing it in later. So this was a huge, huge jump for that. Um, and that's slowly evolved over time. With the first version of Log10 on the iPhone, it really was just a companion. It was a very slimmed down or, or not even slimmed down. It just it was not... Uh, it was basically just a, a shell in some ways of just a, a way to capture you could basically add flights and it would sort of record that information, but it wasn't your whole logbook. It would then send that data. When you synced with Wi Wi-Fi, it would send that data to your logbook on the Mac, which would sort of incorporate it all and then send back updated totals back to the iPhone so that you could then carry on. But with the version three for the iPhone, uh, which was with companion companion to version five on the Mac, uh, was actually a fully is when we actually brought the full logbook database to the iPhone uh, and the iPad, which was really the only company. I think we're actually still the only company that does that. So it's a, a really a full logbook on your iOS device. We really recommend having all of them, and it, you add some capabilities by having the Mac version for sure. Besides just convenience, but you have your entire logbook on your iPhone or your iPad. You can filter it, search it, regenerate reports, do smart groups, rest, currency, view flights, view every single flight. Your entire logbook is right there, and you have tremendous capabilities on your iOS device. It's not just a dumb companion to the desktop. Yeah, no, it's definitely not just a dumb companion. And I know a lot of people just specifically use the iOS version, and they get along just fine. I have yep. both the iOS and the Mac just because I love being on my Mac, and I like having kind of like a 
a main database, kind of like you said, the first version, it's kind of like the phone was there to upload to the main database. And I kind of still treat my Mac as like the main database and my iPhone as kind of like the mobile hotspot or database. And But I've mm-hmm. grown to see how powerful iOS and that app can be and how I'm using my Mac one less and less and less over time. And I'm just uploading right on the fly on my phone. Yep. Which I'm sure that's yep. what you guys are going with. And you guys did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the iOS is amazing. They're, they're still a very good reason to have the Mac and it's a definitely a different interface with different uh, strengths, but you can do everything on the iOS if you want. For sure. Which is really cool. So you're in iOS and would you say that more, I don't know if you have these numbers with you or if you know, and it's okay if you don't, but would you say more people just subscribe to the iOS or would you say that's a mix between the Mac and iOS and all of them? It's definitely a mix. Um, we would say that a large percentage of customers choose to have uh, all three. So they have iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Um, but whether a, a small note of interest perhaps says that the iPhone is actually used more than the iPad. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, just I think just more people, it's just more convenient. I, I mean, I find myself doing that too. I I have multiple iPads. They're amazing, but... I still use my iPhone way more than my iPad. <laughs> I would have to um, agree with you there too. It's it's just always with you, you know. Yeah. It's, it's convenient, it's it's amazing and just right there. Um so the iPad is definitely a, a little bit more of a commitment, right? I mean, you got to kind of take it out and and it's not quite a laptop, but it's definitely not like a phone where it's just in your pocket. For sure, especially even with the iPad mini, it's still a big block. <laughs> like yeah, you can't yeah. just like you said you can't just stick it in your pocket and go. Like you can put it in your backpack, but then you got to unzip your backpack. You got to do that, but your phone you can just have right in your hand or right in your lap and you can do everything so fast. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And uh one thing I would I would recommend to anyone is that to get this app as early as possible because I didn't get it until probably six months ago and I entered in manually entered in 2000 hours and that as I'm sure you've heard is a very tedious task and it's it's hard to update once you have accumulated so many hours so if you get it the earlier as possible you will set yourself up for smoother skies because it is not fun to enter in 2000 hours and anything it takes a lot of time (laughs) absolutely it's definitely the the earlier you do it the better because i think every pilot would agree that at some point you're going to want an electronic logbook so there's really no reason not to start with one immediately Um, you're just going to save yourself a lot of time and pain later and one of the things we're really excited about not too long ago actually we increased our free limit up to 250 hours so new pilots starting out can use log 10 for completely for free on all the devices, iPhone, iPad, and Mac until they get their commercial license. Which is incredible. Yeah. So it's really, you know, again, no reason not to use an electronic logbook, particularly since you don't even have to pay for it. For sure. Yeah, it's free. It's a free resource. You might as well use it. See if you like it. And if you don't like it, you can stop. And if you see that you do like it, continue doing it. So that's a, a great yep. resource for every pilot. Exactly. Yeah, I, I wish I would have known about that or wish that would have been around when I started flying in 2010 because that would have been crucial. <laughs> because you accumulate your hours so fast and you don't really think about it sometimes and all of a sudden you want to go to apply to these jobs and you think about applying and you have to get all your hours ready where if I was online and had an electronic logbook from the beginning, all I had to do is, like you said, just go to summaries and reports and it's right there instantly. It takes like two seconds for me to get a report of all my flying. Yeah, absolutely. Even just doing the, you know, when you're doing any kind of endorsement type rating, your first private pilot license, you have to fill out the IACRA report uh, for the FAA. And that is 
total pain to do from your paper logbook because they want all these different summaries of total times and it just takes a couple seconds with log time. Yeah, which is incredible and it really simplifies the the process. Absolutely. When ForeFlight released their logbook, did you guys lose any customers from that or have you guys not really seen a drop off from that at all? We really haven't seen much of an impact. Um, their logbook and ForeFlight in general is more GA focused and we definitely see the majority of our customers in the commercial space. Um, we absolutely support all types of pilots, all types of aircraft, and uh, it's a fantastic logbook for GA pilots, but the majority of our customers are commercial pilots. Uh, so that's you know something that professionals rely on. So if you're really looking for the professional logbook, Log 10 is the choice for sure. Is there anything else you want to talk about about the app? I know that uh, you have a ton of knowledge and I'm still kind of learning everything, but is there anything major you want to touch on at all? Well, just for anyone listening who's not familiar with Log 10 or even actually anyone who is using Log 10, I'd highly recommend you check out our YouTube channel. We have a big collection of tutorial videos at this point, and there's a lot of capabilities in Log 10. It's a really rich application. I sometimes like to compare it to something like Photoshop where you can spend years using it and still learn new things uh, really easily. So I would highly recommend that you take a look at that because there's probably a lot of things that you may not even know that Log10 can do that it can help you with and so you can save more time. Um, the smart groups that you can use to track currency limits, track goals, um, are really powerful and really enable you to filter and manage your time however you want. So I would highly recommend checking out those articles and videos about those so you can learn how to take advantage of them better. You can do things like make a goal. So it's not immediately obvious, but a limit is essentially saying I can only do a certain amount of time in a particular uh, period. So for example, you might say I can only fly 30 hours in seven days and they want to track that. Well, you can do the same thing uh, to create a goal. So you can say, oh, I'm working toward my ATP and I need to get 1500 hours. You can actually just you can set a time period if you want, or you can just set no time period. And that way it will just basically count down until you reach 1500. So if you had a thousand hours right now and you set a, a limit or goal uh, group and you set the goal, the total time for that goal to be 1500 hours, then that goal, that smart group in your list of smart groups is going to show a thousand, uh, sorry, 500 because you've already got a thousand, right? So it's going to slowly count down uh, as you, reach toward that goal. So you can use that to track all different sorts of things. Super useful for instructors as well, just that you can uh, track different students really easily. So you can have smart groups for different students. So if you want to jump to a student that you're working, if you have five different students you're working with, you can have a group for each of them. And then before you're going to go out and fly with them, you can just click that smart group and immediately see all the flights that you did with that person, review what you did last time. Super easy. Another thing that we added not too long ago that some people might not be aware of is the built-in endorsement text. So all of the standard FAA endorsements are built into the app now. So if you are either receiving or issuing a new endorsement, you can actually just tap on the little field there and fill in all the endorsement copy automatically. And it will insert the pilot and student names for you so you don't have to remember all the different paragraphs or different languages for the different endorsements. But those That's in huge. There, which is really nice. Yeah. Time saver. Um, we added the nighttime mode recently, so it automatically switches to a dark theme at night to protect your night vision. And uh, we mentioned the pilot credentials uh, integration, and there was another one I was just going to mention. 
Damn, there's so many different things. I've- I know, right? Like you said, it's like Photoshop. There's so many things that you can do and put into this and you don't even know the power that you have at your fingertips sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, you know, the analyze, I'm sure everybody's familiar with the analyze feature on the radar tab on iOS. It's super helpful. Uh, something that we introduced with Log10 Pro X where you can really easily see all your totals by type. It's really common question for insurance or different things like that. Even most airlines want to know how much time you have in a particular type in the last particular period of time. So if you go to the analyze tab, you can just tap last 12 months and or last six months or whatever you want to do. And then it's going to show you all of the different types that you've flown in that period and the totals for each type. So you can immediately see, oh, I had this much total time, this much PIC, this much night in that particular aircraft type, which is really helpful. Definitely helpful. That's something that, um, like you said, insurance, employers, and you're going to be using that feature for a long time when you're in aviation. So it's really good to have that just a kind of a blink of an eye. You just hit two buttons and then there it is. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other really awesome features that we added recently was the ability to share flights. I mean, you can basically share anything now. So if you have two pilots, for example, you can have just one pilot log it, and then they can just tap a button and send the flight over to the other pilot, and they can log it in their logbook, and it automatically switches the information. So if you put in that, you know, you're the PIC and the other guy's the SIC, if you send it to him, his logbook will show it the other way around so that he's the SIC, and you're, you know, well, it'll not the other way around, but it'll flip the time. So if you logged this PIC and he was the SIC, then in his logbook it'll show he had SIC and you had PIC. That's oh, nice. Yeah, that's um, good. So that really saves time. But you can also share other things like groups, aircraft, people, you know, anything in your logbook essentially you can send it to somebody else. So if you develop some complex smart group that you really like or whatever, you can actually send that right over to somebody else so they can add it to their logbook, which is a, a great time saver. For sure. No, and, and time savers in aviation are huge because, I mean, like we said earlier, it took me almost two days to enter in 2,000 hours. And if just having the ability now to, like you said, just share a flight with someone, if I'm flying with someone else, they log it, they share it to me, and it's in my logbook, and it's ready to go. And I can yeah. trust the information, and it's just it's there, and it it's works, and it's right. Exactly. And one of the other really neat things about that is it actually enables, it sort of fixes a, a scenario that I've had a few times and people have asked about is where, Maybe you you forgot to have your instructor sign a flight or you needed to unlock it so you could make a change to it and you need that flight signed again, but your instructor is on the other side of the country. You can actually just share the flight to them. They can sign it and send it back and you get back the flight signed. That's incredible. Yeah, that's a great feature. That's something that a lot of people could use. And I'm sure that situation, like you said, has popped up before and it went from an impossible situation to a, a solution to an impossible situation. Yeah. That's really cool. So a couple more things before we go. Um, what do you see kind of the future of Log10 Pro? Do you see, do you guys have any ideas for other apps that you want to make? Or do you think it's sort of strictly be about the Log10 Pro app? And also, I noticed that you guys are kind of partnering with pilot credentials and I see some like PSA. Are you guys partnering with airlines? Like what's the future of, of uh, Log10 Pro? Yeah, absolutely. We plan to grow and participate and partner with everybody who's interested and PSA airlines is one of the programs that we're working with and we're working with uh, additional airlines as well. It really is a very exciting opportunity. So like PSA has recognized the value of log 10 and they're interested in providing it to all of their cadets and all of their pilots so that the, um, they're actually leveraging it in conjunction with pilot credentials to manage their whole cadet program so that all their cadets use log 10, all their data gets submitted to uh, pilot credentials and then PSA can monitor all of their data as they move through the cadet program and then on to flying for PSA. And we're working the similar things for other airlines as well. So that's a really great 
opportunity to, to help pilots starting out uh, to get a start out on the right foot and get everything prepared and makes it much easier for the airline as well. No, for so sure. That's exciting. Um, we absolutely have ideas for other apps. We don't generally comment on things that haven't been released yet, but we're absolutely <laughs> Completely understand. on other stuff and have lots of really awesome things. I mean, literally uh, multiple thousands of things in our uh, tracking system of different things we want to do for log 10. So we're, always working on new stuff and we've got some exciting things coming down the pipe. That's awesome. That's really encouraging me here. And uh, one thing before we go, I just want to say thank you for creating this product. I know it's really cool that you kind of saw a need and instead of waiting for someone to create it, you went on your own and used your own abilities to create this product. And it's crazy to see. I'm sure it's crazy for you to look at it where it was in 2003 to see where it is now in 2017 and how much of an impact that it has on aviation and how many people just love using it. It's extremely gratifying. Uh, it's, I guess, in many ways, the story of any entrepreneur. But yeah, seeing a need and and figuring out, you know, I think I can do this better and, and building it. And that's really what I've done and what we continue to do. And we really will continue to build and, and make it better all the time. There's really no end to it, which is something that uh, even as the developer of it, I have a hard time uh wrapping your head around and pe- people are always like, Oh, well you, it's, it's done now. Right. <laughs> it, it's never done. Never and, done. And it's really, it's something that's just evolved so much as the, the whole, as technology evolves, new capabilities, new things become possible. New, um, you know, the, the advantage of the iPhone, the invention of the iPad, those things totally changed aviation. They changed software. They changed the world. And those things continue to happen. new, Innovations by Apple or other companies uh, introduce new ideas and new possibilities. We see you know, we're, we're always learning and seeing things out in the world and going, oh, wow, that's a really cool idea. How can we take advantage of that to make Log 10 better and make pilots' lives easier? Uh, it's really our mission is to help pilots. How can we make pilots' lives easier, more fun, more efficient, save them time, that sort of thing. So we're always working on new services for that. That's really cool. And I'm sure that's got to be really kind of gratifying to know that it can never, there's like, there's no end to it, but it also is terrifying too. It's like, there's so many possibilities that you can do with this. And just, it's just crazy to think of like, like you said, you don't know when the next iPhone is going to come out, when the next new technology, it's going to completely change the game is going to come out. So you have no idea and you're always working on it and always striving to create the best product that you possibly can to, like you said, save pilots time, because that's, the name of the game to save someone time make their life easier make flying easier let them think about one less thing when they have to go fly and just focus on the flying yep absolutely that's our goal really i mean to reduce paperwork and increase the amount of time you spend flying so you should spend less time logging and more time flying exactly and before we go um why don't you go ahead and say the website and where they can how they can find you in itunes so everyone knows where to go to sign up Absolutely. Please come visit us at Coradine.com. That's C-O-R-A-D-I-N-E.com. And you can learn all about our apps and read uh, all the different informa- articles about it, watch videos about it, etc. You can find the apps on the App Store for both iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Uh, just search for Log10, L-O-G-T-E-N, and it should come right up. Perfect. That's awesome. And I have been using it for a while now, or for a couple months now. I don't know. I'm kind of new to it, but it has really helped me just focus on flying, like you said, and not really worry about my logbook anymore and not have just updating my logbook. It used to just be such a big project that I had like being held over my head and now I don't have to worry about that. And that's good as a pilot. So I would recommend it to everyone and go ahead and check it out. And thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I think it's just cool to hear pilots and people in aviation 
that also do other things and kind of reach out and just how aviation is such like a global thing. Like anyone can do it. And it's so cool to hear other people that have created businesses or play sports or act or do anything. And they're still pilots and they love this aviation community. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. No problem. I really appreciate it. And uh, have a good day. Okay. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. And that is a wrap of episode 16. Aviation, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Like I said earlier, don't forget to send your Aviation stories. We might even be starting an Aviation Instagram page where you guys have a chance to take it over for a week and share everything about your aviation career. Go ahead and let us know if you think that's a good idea. Aviation, thank you guys so much. Happy flying. Have a great day.